If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Chris Pacheco as we continue our sports talk show in a world with an increasing amount of sports. We had multiple live sporting events happen this weekend, Pacheco. We had uh, Korean baseball continuing. They are on their off day right now. We had the UFC fights, and we had some Korean soccer as well. Uh, All of those sports available on DraftKings and FanDuel, but what everyone is going to be wanting to talk about uh, in the to start their week is, of course, ESPN's documentary, The Last Dance, detailing mm-hmm. the final season of Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls, as well as you know, sort of a more in-depth look in his career. Um, episodes seven and eight were broadcasted on Sunday night, May tenth, and uh, they were great. I, I thought that uh, the retirement episode was fantastic, and you know, sort of unlike a lot of these other episodes, Pacheco, I found myself learning a lot from these documentaries you know things i i really just did not know at all about michael jordan's career until this point i'd say this davis the more this show goes on and obviously uh it looks like last week will be uh the the ninth and tenth episode which will be the the finale the more the show goes on the more and more i learned uh not just about michael jordan but the situation with the bulls uh on the whole throughout their championship run had no idea this it was this messy. Uh, obviously, you know uh, all about the accolades. You, of course, know about Michael Jordan. You, I, I just had no idea that things got this messy, even in that uh, in that '95 season uh, when Jordan uh, stepped in and, and played after he retired. Uh, you know, Horace Grant was no longer a part of the team because the, the Bulls didn't pay him his money. 
Uh, and of course, if if they didn't pay Scottie Pippen, you know, Horace Grant was just not going to get paid, which which I did understand that. But I had no idea either. So the more it goes on, the more I learn about about uh, Michael Jordan and, and this incredible Chicago Bulls run. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I always thought Horace Grant was on the 97, mm-hmm. 90, like 96, 97, 98 Bulls teams. I, yeah. I really I was not aware that I like. I was uh, I was chatting with I was chatting with someone earlier on the take cast about the mm-hmm. last dance and basically you know guys who are you know our age guys who are in their twenties we really only know about the six championships and the retirement and Space yeah. Jam and then you know like playing for the Wizards and that stuff but right. we don't really talk about when he came back I think people right. just sort of what you assume is that he came back and then he started winning championships right away you don't you don't really know that he came back and played like 20 games and then played in the playoffs a little bit and lost in the playoffs. You know, people talk mm-hmm. about him losing in the playoffs over those, uh, not losing over those final six seasons, but he did, you know, and, and I think that the way that the documentary explained it, losing that series to the Orlando Magic really gave him enough fuel to continue wanting to be great. You know, like, I, I don't know. Without that Orlando Magic series, it's it, you know what what is he doing to motivate himself over that offseason? You know what what is the the character that drives him? You know I I, I don't really know. Yeah, it almost looked necessary that they had to lose to Orlando in that series in order for for Jordan to get his stuff together, get enough motivation, and and move forward uh, with with his career. I thought it was incredible uh, as far as the things that we, we might have not known because you and I were probably like three to five years old when this stuff yeah. was going on. Um, but how about the Bulls doing incredibly well that season that Jordan isn't there, uh, making a really deep playoff run, and then losing to the Knicks, I believe it was in the Eastern Conference Finals, in seven games, uh, which I thought was in- insane. I mean, the Bulls without Michael Jordan, I, I thought they were shut, like shot. There, there was no chance. They they made a deep playoff run out of it, and the Knicks beat them in seven games. Which I, I mean, of course, the Knicks were going to lose once Michael came back, which is exactly what happened. But the fact that it took seven games for the Knicks to beat an MJ less Bulls was really insane to me. And that team, so the nineteen ninety three nineteen ninety four Chicago Bulls, Scottie Pippen averaged twenty two points a game, three mm-hmm. steals a game, five and a half assists, eight total rebounds. Horace Grant was 15-11 every single night. B.J. Armstrong scored 14 points a game. Um, Steve Kerr was sort of the the rotational guard. Uh, He had a great season. Tony Kukoc was, you know, a young NBA player at this point, was not Mm -hmm. starting games, was coming off the bench. He was uh, scoring 10 points a night and was also shooting three-pointers. And then it's so funny. They had so many centers on their roster. Like, you, you you go and look. At uh, you go and look at how many centers were on the roster. They have Will Purdue, Horace Grant, uh, Scott Scott Williams, Luke Longley, Bill Wennington. Like uh, not uh, an interesting an interesting roster construction there um, from the Chicago Bulls. But yeah, I mean, you just you really do not think about how great that team was, and you go look at the series stats. Um, so you know, you go look in between the the Bulls and the Knicks. Uh, you know, the the Knicks won the first two games, then the Bulls win three or two straight close games lose a, a heartbreaker in game five, 87, 86. I mean, the bulls could have been easily in the, 
in the conference finals and mm-hmm. and you know they 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 probably would not have beaten the rockets because that Houston Rockets team was uh you know historically great. They they right. have a lot of they have like Hall of Fame players on that uh on that team but yeah I mean Scottie Pippen really does get marginalized in all of this because people don't talk about that about that season and they they sure. talk about him sitting on the bench during the final shot. We got to talk about that. Right. I mean, we, we got to talk about that in this segment. With, again, of the things that I had no idea about, Scottie Pippen sits uh, in, in, that, in, the, in a game against the Knicks, pivotal playoff game. Uh, he's not going to be taking the last shot. So then he decides to sit because he thought that Phil Jackson was pretty much, uh, you know, low blowing him pretty much because he wasn't going to take the last shot. I mean, th- that's a thing. You imagine something like that happening nowadays. Davis, like, say Kevin Durant sits because he's not going to take the last shot for the Golden State Warriors team in the playoffs. He, no one would give that dude a pass. It feels like Pippen got a little bit of a pass, um, at least now, simply because, of, of course, the Bulls had, you know, such great runs in, in the 90s. But the fact that he sat for such an important play because he wasn't going to take the last shot um, really surprised me because that's just not, it's not Scottie Pippen. And that's pretty much what his teammates were saying. We were really surprised, also pissed off, uh, that he, he chose to sit instead of being there. So he pretty much quit on them. I, I, again, had no idea about that situation. Yeah. I, I had, I had known that, uh, I had known that this had happened because it is mentioned in Bill Simmons's book, the, the book of basketball. But I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of different, you know, reading in a book, thinking about it 20 years later, but you know, we have, we have Bill Cartwright talking about it. We have Jordan going, you know, Pippen knew that wasn't right. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we have, we have those, we have the, you know, the, the real people involved in the story and Kerr, right. Cause like, you know, Kerr is the kumbaya guy. You know, you think of Steve Kerr as the guy who's, he doesn't want to say anything bad about anybody. Michael Jordan punches him in the face and, Mm -hmm. and, and he gets on the, and you know, they get on the phone and they work it out. And if, if you think about the play uh, as well, I, I think Scotty was supposed to inbound the ball. The reason why he was inbounding the ball, and he, he shouldn't have taken it as personal, is because he was the best passer uh, mm-hmm. on the team. So th- there was a lot of value in him actually inbounding uh, the ball. It was, it was supposed to be a really important pass to Tony Kukoc. The play was uh, all set around Tony Kukoc, but it, it had to be a perfect pass. Someone else went in there and and perfected that pass but it was scotty that was supposed to to do that i just i don't think he thought about things straight in that moment yeah and scotty is gonna you know whoever the best defender is on on uh on that team you know they're gonna be they're gonna be sitting by scotty on the inbound you know thinking that Mm -hmm. like a rub play is gonna happen or something Mm -hmm. and uh you know i i think weirdly like a big storyline from this for me is that tony kukoc is awesome um you know we like i only think of him kind of as like a joke like Tony Kukoc was a joke with the Bulls like they they beat him up at the Olympics and you know we knew that Michael and Scotty kind of didn't like him and that he was Jerry Krause's boy but he was awesome all these and all these highlights of him that they're showing I'm like dude that guy would be so perfect in today's game he's sort of yeah. like he's sort of like um like Chris Stapps maybe or mm-hmm. maybe like a like a, a less skilled version of Kevin Durant that's more like in the paint but you know he was shooting threes he could have played he could have been shooting threes as a center in yeah. 1995 which is like you know no no centers were shooting threes back then like he was sort of like a guy who was before his time in terms of like what big guys could be in the NBA 
Yeah, and he was hitting buzzer beaters in, in his rookie se- season. I mean, this guy was a really important player uh, for that Chicago Bulls franchise. Uh, does seem like he played a little bit out of his time, uh, given his game. Played no defense, but had a, a pretty good offensive repertoire. Shot a lot of threes. J- just not what you knew the 90s to be. Um, so was playing a, a little bit ahead of his time, frankly. And uh, European players didn't have they, – they, there weren't a lot of them. Uh, in the 90s, let's face it. So the fact that Tony Kukoc came in and and did so great probably set the standard for the other European players that came into the league in the 2000s. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was just kind of trying to think of, like, what would happen today if a guy did this? And, you know, they would just get roasted, obviously, on social media. And I, I, I clearly journalists were you know, wrote like they were ripping Pippen at the time. But I think that I think that there would be such a furor amongst, you know, fans of the team. And then, you know, just like general NBA Twitter, like NBA Twitter loves to roast these guys. We love Mm -hmm. to roast LeBron. You know, we love to we love to roast Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant literally is it gets on Twitter and defends himself against people who are who make fun of him for joining the Warriors. Like, I just I just think this would be a huge, huge steamroller thing if if you know, I don't know that if if Kyrie Irving did this or something like Kyrie's a guy who would do this, and he would just yeah. get he would just get roasted for it. There would be like he wouldn't be on the team next year, basically. Yeah, that that's pretty much correct. It's just Pippen did it in an in an era where social media wasn't a thing. He does it nowadays. Uh, doesn't matter if it's like a marginal NBA player, you're still gonna get roasted to hell. It, look, let's face it, Scotty just wasn't Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan does this. They probably make a book about the fact that he sat on that play. It's just he wasn't Jordan. He didn't, you know, he didn't demand that much attention, and that's why it wasn't talked about. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that is probably true. And you know, there the, we haven't even gotten really into the heart of what these episodes were about, which is the you know the uh, the retirement, which is uh, it, it it sort of reminded me of the decision actually where the the leaks started to come out you know the days before i i actually remember when the decision happened i had just gotten twitter like i mean i'd had it but i just had kind of gotten into checking it a lot and people were you know there were rumors that he was going to go to the heat and it was starting to leak out and you know people knew that likely that lebron was going to be leaving it was rumored that he would be joining the heat and it was this big televised special but also that it was the biggest news event of the time you know michael jordan leaving baseball or leaving basketball for baseball is, is the biggest story that happened at the time. You know, this is a, this is a pre-war sort of United States of America, you know, pre nine 11, Michael Jordan leaving the bulls is the biggest news story that anyone can imagine. So we will continue this discussion on the bulls and Michael Jordan. When we get back in just a few moments, dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everyone. Welcome back from break here on SportsGrid TV. This is the Daily Roto Hour with Davis Maddock and Christopher Pacheco as we continue our recap and discussion of episodes seven and eight of The Last Dance, ESPN and Netflix's Michael Jordan documentary. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the big things you got to take away from this is uh, how hard is it to hit a breaking ball, even even a double a breaking ball? They you know, everyone made a point to say, you know, Michael Jordan, he had that 13 game hit streak. And Jerry Reinsdorf said, oh, he could have become a a major league player or whatever. But uh, I mean, hitting hitting, uh, you know, change ups, curve balls, even after being able to hit fastballs seemed like, uh, you know, almost a near impossibility for for even Michael Jordan, who's one of the most dexterous people of all time. Yeah. So. Uh, if I get if I got the story right, uh, Jordan didn't play baseball for, for 14, 14 years, years, right? Yeah. So he was 17 last time he played. Then he played again uh, when he was 31. Uh, I mean, Davis, that's that's absurd. You know, the fact that this dude played double A ball and and was was playing legitimate baseball, um, you know, against legit MLB talent, you know, M- potential MLB talent. Uh, was a miracle in and of itself. I I think hitting baseballs, especially breaking balls, is ridiculously hard. 
uh, and for Michael Jordan to even attempt it, uh, I thought was a miracle uh, in and of itself. Would he have made it to the major league level, um, you know, hitting 200 and double A and whatnot? You know, probably not. Um, would he have been a success story at the MLB level? Probably not. But the fact that he at least attempted it uh, was incredible and, and is a, a testament to, to Michael Jordan, the athlete. Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely, definitely a testament to Michael Jordan, the athlete. I, I kind of think he would have been able to make it to the majors, not as like, you know, he wouldn't have been Mike Trout or anything. Yeah. I think he could have been the Chicago White Sox, you know, fourth outfielder sure. playing, playing against lefties, you know, good defensive player, pinch runner, you know, late, uh, you know, you bring him in to run the bases late in the games because he's a lot faster than the average baseball player because, you know, you do see, you go, you go and see, started out the season hot, went on a super long cold streak and then just started to mm -hmm. figure it out. And he was like a, a pathologically hard worker. Um, but, you know, that probably would have been, I, I was thinking about this, like, okay, let's say, let's say, the strike never happens, which, by the way, you know, kind of lucky for the Chicago Bulls and for basketball that baseball decided mm -hmm. to strike because Michael might have stayed in baseball longer had that yeah. happened. You know, he might he might have been involved in baseball a little bit longer had the you know had the Major League Baseball you know labor strike not happened. But would he have been happy being an okay baseball player after being the greatest basketball player ever? Like, I feel like that's so much more frustrating to be like the 368th best baseball player as opposed to being yeah. literally the best basketball player. Like that seems crazy. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, if he makes it to the, to the majors leagues, it, it was just going to be difficult for him to have, you know, sustained success. I, of course we know Michael Jordan and, and, you know, his, his ability to practice and his dedication bar to none. Uh, but ultimately, baseball is a repetition sport. Michael was always going to be playing catch up to these other guys. Uh, also, we didn't see him at the AAA level. You know, the the more the higher you get into these levels, the more difficult it's going to get. So, would he have made it to the MLB just because he's Michael Jordan alone? Probably. Uh, would he have been able to, to you know, have sustained success? I, I don't think so. I think it was going to be difficult for him to accept that. I think the the best thing that happened to him, frankly, is that this strike happened and, and he just didn't get a shot. So he, he was basically forced to ponder whether he could, you know, do the basketball thing again. And of course, Michael Jordan is going to be able to do the basketball thing again. The other thing that I thought was helpful was that the Bulls ultimately lost in that series uh, against the Knicks and, and didn't win the championship. So I'm sure in his mind, he thought, hey, these guys, you know, they, they can't do it without me. I can go in there uh, and, and be the guy once again. And, of course, uh, he does that when he comes back. So I think things played out the best way they could have for Michael Jordan. So I think if, if he would have tried the MLB uh, instead, I, I certainly don't think he would have found that much success. And who knows, if he plays three to four years at the MLB level, you know, by that time he's 36, 37, uh, he wouldn't have done the, the three-peat once again, so it, it certainly would have changed uh, the, the basketball history. I I completely agree. Um, so we got it. We got to talk about a couple other of the the very funny events from these episodes. One, I mean, poor Scotty Burrell, right? Scott, I mean, he just gets he just gets roasted by Michael Jordan in this, and and he's you know. He's getting interviewed now, and he doesn't have anything mean to say about Michael, and Michael doesn't have anything mean to say about him. And, I mean, I guess to be fair, 
Well, you know, Scotty Burrell just was not ever going to be a guy who made an impact for the Bulls. And I, I yeah. kind of think Jordan was being a bully. So if you look at you look at Scotty Burrell's career, he is a first round pick for the Charlotte Hornets. And it just it never really works out for him. He plays 31 minutes a game in his second season. He scores 11 points uh, per game. He gets five rebounds per game. He plays 35 minutes a game the next season. 13 points, four rebounds. Uh, you know, doesn't really doesn't really shoot three pointers. I guess he shot he shot some uh, in his age 25 season for Charlotte. Um, you know, and then and then he goes to Golden State, and then he go he you know he winds up in Chicago, and he just he he started three games. He just he never really played. He was never really uh, you know a huge part of the team. And I mean, you you all, you kind of you kind of have to wonder like. You know, what what is Michael beaten up on this scrub for? You know, like it, it felt like it felt like just kind of Michael needing to exercise some of his competitive pathology because we also know he makes up this story about LeBradford Smith. They play a back to back against Washington, who LeBradford Smith played for. He scores thirty seven against him, and Mike is pissed off because he's having a bad game, and he goes, "Okay." You know, he he needs something to get him up and motivated again to play the next day. And he he tells the story of how after the game, LeBradford Smith says, good game, Mike. And then 20 years later, he goes, yeah, no, he never actually said that. That's that's just that's unbelievable. The fact that he he made that up. Um, I thought it was real. <laughs> the fact that he yeah. said it was fake. Uh, was just insanity. The the one the one story that was actually real was the B.J. Armstrong one in that series with the Hornets, uh, where Armstrong you know had some things to say to Jordan, especially when he hit that that game clincher. Uh, and then MJ just I mean the next game Armstrong scored literally two real life points uh, and didn't have any other sort of impact in that series. Uh, Jordan just needed these things ultimately to give him motivation. Uh, and, and it's just incredible that he would look for those things every game uh, in order for him to to have, a, you know, a, a bigger edge over his opponent. Same thing happened with Horace Grant and the Magic. Uh, not that they talked crap, but it just gave him mo- enough motivation that offseason to be like, hey, you know what? These guys beat me up and next year I'm not going to let them have it. Of course, the Bulls go on to, to sweep them in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a couple other guys who uh, who were, were catching them here from Michael, Steve Kerr. You know, we talked about this on earlier episodes of the Daily Roto Hour when we were talking about the last dance. But Kerr and MJ just really do think about basketball in a very different way. And I, I sort of think that the way that Kerr coaches the Golden State Warriors, the way that he talks about basketball, the way that he talks about life is really influenced by his time spent with the Bulls, but not in the way you would think but because he doesn't really like the way that Michael Jordan approaches basketball, doesn't really like the way that he approaches team building, you know? So he is, he is saying, you know, like he gets in this fight, right? He gets in a fight in practice, gets, gets knocked in the face by Steve Kerr and MJ saying, you know, I feel bad. And I, and I call Kerr and they, you know, they, they work it out. Right. And they're, they're great buds and they figure it out for the rest of the year. But you know, if I'm Kerr, I'm being like, Dude, I am I am like the sixth guard on this team. Like, what what are you doing getting in a fight in practice with me? Yeah, my understanding is that that he was actually talking crap uh, to Kerr during that time because Jordan was doing it to pretty much everyone. And so, from the documentary, Jordan says he gained respect for Kerr because he stood up for himself. And then Kerr says pretty much the same thing: how glad he was that he stood up to Michael Jordan uh, at that point. 
but that, that's just that's just how Michael rolled, and it, it got the best out of his teammates. It also got the best out of him. So, you know, things worked out. But does that make Jordan look bad? Yeah, I think it does. But ultimately, the dude has six championship rings. Uh, he's the best basketball player on planet Earth still. Um, so, I, you know, things worked out, even though he wasn't necessarily the nicest guy uh, on the court. Yeah, and I mean, there there's more evidence of Michael taking these very small perceived slights and making them into a huge deal. You know, we're skipping around in the documentary here a little bit, but we get to the... 96 finals against the Seattle Supersonics and you know Michael Michael needs a reason he needs a reason to hate the Supersonics needs a reason to to want to put them in a casket and he goes out for dinner after game one and apparently George Carl is at the same restaurant walks by and doesn't say hi and Michael says you know that that's all I needed that's all I needed to turn the Supersonics into the enemy which is uh you know they it's it's interesting that I mean I guess when you are as great as Michael Jordan or as any athlete, you need things yeah. to keep going because this is something that pretty much all great athletes talk about. You know, you, you need more yeah. motivation. Once you get the one championship, you need more motivation. You get that you get the disease of having everything you've ever wanted and you need something to force you to keep going. And for yeah. Michael Jordan, maybe one of the greatest skills he had was finding ways to motivate himself to do the same thing day after day. Yeah, and I guess what people just didn't realize was that at that point, you know, the Mount Rushmore in, in NBA history was that three-peat uh, because Bird and Magic hadn't done it. And, and they were looked upon as, you know, some of the greats in the sport. Once Michael had that three-peat, it's like he had no extra motivation uh, to, to continue to move on, which I'm sure played a factor in his retirement. So imagine him coming back and doing another three-peat. He just had to continue to find ways to, to motivate himself. And, of course, you see it in that series against the Supersonics, not just because of the, the incident with George Carl, but how about Gary Payne uh, when he switched onto him uh, in, in the series, uh, in the last few games of the series. Jordan really struggled. And then, of course, in the documentary, they showed him, you know, Gary Payne talking about how, how you know, he clamped down Jordan. And, and Jordan just started laughing. I thought it was one of the better moments uh, in, in the entire series. The, the dude is just like, you know, I, I have no problem with the glove with, with Gary Payne, but, you know, come on, I'm Michael Jordan. I thought, I actually thought that moment was sort of revealing as well yeah. because it's not true. He did have a problem with Gary Payne. If you go back and look at those games, Michael Jordan had games in game four, he shot like 30% from the floor in mm -hmm. game Six, he sh they they won the game, but MJ shot 23% from the floor, and Gary Payton was the primary defender on him in those events. So I, that was one part where I was like, Michael, you're the you're the best player ever. You're <sighs> awesome. No one no one debates that you are the best ever. That you won the most trophies. That that you yeah. are. You got all the rings, but you you don't you don't have to to make everyone less in your conquest of the NBA. You don't have to you don't have to go back and be and, and be like Gary Payton. Uh, you know, you're, you're not anything to us. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up here our, our one final segment on The Last Dance, and we'll be back in just a few minutes here with the Daily Roto Hour. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. 
We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everyone, welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour. We are going to go ahead and wrap up our discussion on The Last Dance in this segment because, uh, you know, it's just it's just too good, right? The, these episodes are so good. It's you know, we we got the KBO back. We got we got UFC back. We have uh, K League soccer back, by the way, which was uh, it was awesome this weekend to have live soccer going on that uh, that we could wager on and that we could play daily fantasy on DraftKings and FanDuel on. But I mean, everyone that I follow on Twitter is watching the Last Dance. Like every all yeah. my buddies are watching the Last Dance. Like this is this is the last thing. Actually, this is the last thing, Pacheco, I can remember that everyone is experiencing all at once since the Rudy Gobert night. You know, you remember the Rudy Gobert night and everyone's just like, wow, this is crazy. They're, they're, they're Rudy Gobert. They're suspending games. He has the coronavirus. And 
I mean, this is the last time I can remember everyone all being tuned into the same thing. So, uh, to the Rudy Gobert thing, isn't it, Davis, to you, isn't that one of those moments where you will always know I remember what where you I were was. doing that day and where you were? I mean, I, I literally remember to the T how my day went that day because I, I was working um, that day for our NBA content team and I had to do the NBA projections. And I will never forget in the afternoon when it got released that Rudy Gobert uh, was on the injury report with an illness um, and there was nothing else to it. And then, of course, a few hours after that, we find out that that the dude has coronavirus and they have to they pretty much didn't even play the game. They just stopped the game from even beginning uh, at that point was one of the more uh, bizarre moments that I think I've I've ever lived through. And of course, it didn't affect me uh, directly from a physical standpoint, uh, but I was certainly affected because our work uh, got affected. And I will just never forget the time, the moment and the place where I was at at that point. Yeah, I was actually I was actually on vacation during that that week in March. Right. I So I was I was not at my house and I, you know, I'd been paying attention. I've been following covid and everything. And I was like, you know, this is we, we did already schedule this vacation, but I'm not super pumped to not be away from you know, to be away from my house right now. Sure. And we were we were out to dinner and I was like trying to late swap my NBA lineups out at dinner and getting this like oh well you know what am i going to do if this utah game gets canceled because I, I think i had um if i remember right mm-hmm. like uh not uh sga was like a really good play that night or something he was like yeah. underpriced and and mm-hmm. he was in like my, my main team on DraftKings, and i was trying to like figure my swaps out and then it was just like oh wait uh this is the last time i'm gonna have to worry about this because uh basketball is canceled and i'm not gonna leave my house for the next six months and then so they were the NBA was planning on having a ruling of whether they were going to have no fans in the stands well, or not the next day. Yes, and they were going to try and play the Kings Pelicans game because yes. everyone had stacked that Kings Pelicans game after uh, that Jazz Oklahoma City game, and then they were like, "Okay, Rudy Gobert has the coronavirus, and That's this over. official in the Jazz Pelicans game refed them." two nights ago or whatever. And then at that point, it, I think everyone just realized like, oh, sports are just gone. Sports are just not happening for a couple months. Like there's no way. It was, uh, it, was re- it was a really bizarre moment, especially considering that the NBA was just about to rule um, the no fans thing pretty much the next day. And then yeah. their hand was pretty much forced uh, that night. Really, Davis, one of the more bizarre moments I can remember in, in my entire life. Yeah, very very bizarre. So anyway, getting back to our getting back to our point here is everyone's watching, everyone's watching the MJ stuff. Everyone's loving it. Everyone's the the memes have been great. Michael Michael Jordan's reaction to whenever they whenever they hand him a iPad to show him whatever, they show him someone talking and they just they always think it's it's very funny. Uh, I thought one of the greatest parts of the of the episode 7 and 8 was the Space Jam pickup games. So yeah. MJ, I guess, agrees to do Space Jam. They don't really cover when he agreed to do Space Jam, why he agreed to do it, you know, money. Uh, his kids wanted him to do it. Weird, weird. we haven't really heard much from his kids. We've heard from his brother and his mom. Haven't heard from his kids or uh, any of any of his wives yet. But, uh, yeah, he, he shows up at Space Jam, and he's like, man, I got to work out. I'm, I'm coming back. I want to play. So they build him a gym, you know, a complete full court basketball court. Uh, he can lift. He's got all the machines that he needs so that he can, he can get ripped. And 
I mean, they are playing these pickup games that are like they're kind of like the L.A. fitness games now where like if you go if you go to L.A. fitness at a you know a certain neighborhood in uh, L.A., you know, you could see Kevin Durant and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and those guys all playing against each other. But it was uh, it was it was very cool to see, you know, Reggie Miller and and Juwan Howard and those guys, you know, all getting in those pickup games. I thought that was really cool and, and very interesting of Michael to want to play against those guys after he'd been away. Yeah, and those were newer guys in the league, so Jordan really hadn't played against them much, so he used that time to to also scout them, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting uh, from from his perspective. I mean, Michael Jordan is the best athlete, the, the best player uh, on planet Earth, uh, and and he thought that that was necessary uh, at that time. Um, I also wanted to to mention again, Davis, that the the Gary Payton thing. I wonder if he was talking about Gary. Uh, as an encore problem or off court, because the, the way that I, I took it was, you know, the, the laugh, of course, just just showed me that, you know, he, he really wasn't a problem for him on, on court, or at least that was his belief. But when he says pain wasn't really a problem is like he didn't have a problem with him, with him off the court because he, he specifically says, I have no problem with Gary Payne. Uh you know, kind of like what he does with Isaiah Thomas. Right. I think there is legitimate beef between those guys. I don't think Jordan has any resentment or anything really towards Gary Payne. That's the way I took it. Of course, you, you took it in the way of he wasn't a problem for me on court, which I, I don't think you're wrong necessarily. I just took it a, a, a different way. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that in that exchange, he's not like he's not trying to trash Gary Payton like he trashes mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas or or any of those Pistons guys that he seems to like actually hate. I think right. Gary Payton's probably a guy that he respects if I if I'm remembering it correctly I think that Peyton also kind of likes to gamble and play cards and stuff too so that's something that they that's something that they have in uh in common maybe maybe he's just mad that Gary Payton Jr. is an NBA player and none of his sons ever made it uh you know <laughs> Gary Payton Jr. a uh, great great wing player for not a great wing player uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a 19th man for the Washington Wizards but yeah I mean I I agree with you I think he was just saying like it was not hard for me to score. It was not hard for me to beat Gary Payton, but it, you know, it, it, it was, he, I mean, the, the, the center of episodes set of episode seven is that his dad dies in this horrible circumstance, which by the way, uh, I feel like they did a very good job dunking on the Michael Jordan was suspended for 18 months for gambling things. It's just like, and I, I saw this very compelling tweet from, I think it was J A Adonde that said, you know, we get leaks for, everything in the nba right we just everything that happens we get leaks we hear from camp x or camp y we hear something no one from michael's camp has ever leaked it at all it's it's always just been no dude he wanted to go play baseball yeah well again something that i didn't know i i had no idea that that was even a speculation uh at that time my understanding was when david stern didn't initially suspend jordan for the gambling problems that that situation was put to rest then all of a sudden it comes out that he was potentially suspended 18 months for the gambling thing i mean david Stern had already squashed that so i i i just didn't understand uh where people were coming from with this i i guess the only thing was just to put a, a you know a blemish uh on his career that that was my my only opinion uh of that story otherwise it, it just it had absolutely no merit and still doesn't yeah i mean and i i like a good basketball related conspiracy theory you know as as much as anyone but and and 
you know, I think hearing Michael talk about his dad um, and, you know, seeing a lot of like they, they do, they show all of these pictures of Michael with his dad after winning the championship. And, you know, they, his friends are talking about Michael's relationship with his dad. It's like, I mean, he just, he just like wanted to get out of the environment that he was in. I think he just was feeling stressed out and burnt out. And he does, he says this in the documentary, you know, he just went to go play double A baseball with a bunch of dudes, right? Just yeah. a, a bunch of, a bunch of, you know, probably guys who were way younger than him, you know, probably on average, like 10 years younger than him and was living out on the road and just was, was not living his normal lifestyle at all. And I'm sure that was very freeing for him. Yeah. I think he had mentioned it in the 92 Olympics. Um, he had mentioned to a reporter uh, that this, this might be, you know, it for him. Like the 93 season was what might be it. And he would just go and play baseball. So I mean, he, he already had these plans in mind, and I think for him, it was that 3 P. It was the, the chance to win that third championship uh, to give him that validation and be on that Mount Rushmore. And then after that, he really had nothing else to do. So I, that was my understanding. He just retired because he, he had no extra motivation. And then, of course, it coincides with his dad uh, dying. So I, like, it just made – it was like the perfect storm uh, in, in my eyes. Yeah, and I he does he says another thing that's really illuminating, which is he says, you know, Bird never won three in a row, Magic never won three in a row, and you know that was a huge that's a huge driving force. It's because he wants to be known as very similar to Kobe. Um, I think also very similar to LeBron. I don't yeah. know if LeBron will ever. LeBron is not quite as open about saying like I want to be the greatest player. I want people to think like LeBron. I think in a weird way he seems way more insecure with the way he uses social media and everything, but he feels, I think LeBron feels more secure that he is actually the best ever in, in a weird way. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. Um, it's look, look Davis, it's just really difficult to, to put someone else above Michael Jordan. Um, will LeBron have the best statistics, the best numbers, uh, probably in league history? Yes. Um, ultimately, man, Jordan Jordan didn't lose a single finals appearance. He won 6-0, won MVP yep. every single time. It's really difficult for me to give the crown to someone else. And this is coming from someone that didn't really see Michael Jordan play um, during his prime years. I mean, I was, I was just really young. So were you. Uh, I have seen LeBron. I have seen Kobe Bryant. I mean, these dudes are, are supernatural. It feels like they're not even real. And then you see the Michael Jordan thing in the 90s. It's really difficult for me to put someone else above him. I, I, I realize LeBron is incredible. Um, I just, I'm just not there. And I, I think that's very fair. And I think a lot of people think very similarly, whether the, the rings thing is uh, a legitimate thing or not. In my, in my eyes, it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not a I'm not a big count the rings guy. And I do think I think LeBron is a better basketball player. I think it's very similar to like Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, though. Like Mahomes is to me already the most talented guy to ever play quarterback, but Brady is the greatest. And I think that's probably true with LeBron and Michael, where LeBron is the best, but Michael is the greatest. Michael has overcome more mentally. Michael has, you know, been stronger in those moments. Um, and, you know, the, like 
I mean, I guess Michael did have one series against the Pistons where he was just downright terrible, where he was just yeah. bad. And yeah. LeBron had that, uh, you know, once once with the Cavs, uh, where they got swept in the finals against the Spurs, and then once uh, as a member, uh, and then against the Boston Celtics as well, mm-hmm. and then that Miami Heat final. So we're going to go ahead and head into our final break here. Uh, we're going to come back in a few minutes with some KBO chatter. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our final segment here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. Wrapped up our Last Dance discussion, ESPN's ongoing Michael Jordan documentary actually wraps up next weekend with episodes 9 and 10. But diving into uh, one of our new pastimes, because guess what? 
Uh, you know, sports, we, we don't know when it's coming back in the United States. You know, feels like uh, it feels like every day it's it's both closer and further away. You know, we're hearing about the MLB. You know, they're they're shipping their proposal to Players Association football. Uh, they have their schedule release doing everything they can to get that figured out. But we have soccer restarting in Germany, baseball in Korea. Uh, so we are we are starting to try to figure things out. We uh, we now have one week in the books for the KBO gonna say uh my my expectations for how easy it was going to be to win in dfs in kbo were a little skewed because i did so well on the first day uh just just ran a very very hot on the first day has not been as easy or as great since uh what are some of your big takeaways from the first week of kbo yeah so i think my biggest takeaway uh at this point in time is the the pitching and specifically how how to choose pitchers how, how to stack against certain pitchers you know how to stack against a chalk even i think it's very different davis you know the, the thing is our our primary source of baseball is the mlb especially for dfs and so when we talk baseball we talk mlb and typically when max scherzer's on the mound you're not stacking against them right uh, when Clay and Kershaw had those incredible years, you never picked on Clay and Kershaw. The KBO is completely different. The guys that are dominating, you're talking about guys that aren't even averaging a strikeout per inning. Uh, could these guys do it on a, in a single game? Yes, they could certainly average a strikeout per inning or perhaps even over a strikeout per inning. Is that a sustained um, ability? It, it isn't. Um, most of the guys are going to pitch uh, with K rates under 25%. So what that tells me, Davis, is that when there's a really chalky pitcher on the mound, say a guy that's going to be over 50% owned, this type of league, I think it encourages you to stack against them almost immediately, uh, no matter who the opposing team is. Most of these teams don't have great offenses, especially when you consider, you know, what we consider the best baseball in the world, which is MLB. Uh, These offenses and these pitchers aren't going to uh, amount to that level. So you can pick against any pitcher and you can pick against any offense on any given night. These guys can fall apart. And that's really, really important when evaluating the sport you don't always have to flock to the chalk like you do in MLB. Most of the time in MLB, especially on the pitching side, the chalk is great. I mean, there's a reason why Max Scherzer is chalky every time out, right? There's a reason why Clay and Kershaw was such an incredible DFS pitcher every time out. It's because they dominate on the strikeout level. When these guys are dominating, it's because they're keeping the ball on the ground. At any point, that can fall apart, which means you can stack against them. Yeah, so I I actually I actually think that is a great point, which is that a lot of the guys who do well in this league are able to do well on the back of a lot of ground balls, you know, able to able to, you know, use the sinker and, you know, able to, you know, just really effectively locate their fastball to induce weak contact. And, you know, another thing is there are some great hitters in this league. You know, yes. uh, Hunsu Kim, Byung-ho Park, uh, Jose Miguel Fernandez, Mel Rojas Jr., Preston Tucker. Like, there are good hitters in this league. But a lot of the guys who are bottom-of-the-order hitters, you know, hitters 6, 7, 8, 9, these are really low... Like, these are guys who would struggle to hit 
250 in AAA, right? Like these yeah. are these are low value hitters, and you know yeah. some games those and they are, they make great contact though. You know those guys. So in 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 Major League Baseball, your bottom of the order hitters are likely to be literally the exact opposite. They're likely to be the Jonathan Scope style guys. So you mm-hmm. know guys who can maybe hit 30 home runs, but who hit you know literally might bat like 180. That is yep. that is like a style of player that is pretty popular in Major League Baseball now, and a lot of guys have started to try and transition their skill sets to purposely hit the ball that way because home runs are so much more important, walks are so much more important. Uh, guys aren't even really trying to take walks in this league. Like they they well, I mean some guys are walking, but a lot of these sure. pitchers don't even really find themselves in walk trouble because it's such a high contact league, and. I mean, I guess really my biggest takeaway is I think people are even more than Major League Baseball. People are super overconfident in the chalk in Mm -hmm. KBO. Like, I think chalk, playing chalk offenses in KBO is just bad. Yeah, I think I think it's a thing. Um, I'm I'm not going to call it outright bad, but it does seem like not an optimal situation, uh, in my opinion. I think the best thing to do is stock uh, stack against the, the really chalky pitchers, and that's the thing. If there's going to be a pitcher that's going to be above fifty percent owned in this league, you almost ha- it's almost like a uh, automatic stack against uh, situation. Because th- this guy could he you know could he strike out six in six innings? Uh, sure. We could also have a situation like Warwick Sawpold in, in his opening game where he went nine innings, uh, p- pitch a complete game shutout, but had only two strikeouts. I mean, ultimately, that two strikeouts in a complete game. Th- this dude allowed a bunch of contact. Um, you know, is his ERA for the season going to look amazing? Sure. Um, Sawpold looks like one of the, the better pitchers in the league. Uh, in fact, he, he it seems like he's going to generate a lot of weak contact, which plays to his favor. Uh, but ultimately in this league, you're going to have a really big disparity between the ERAs and the FIPS and XFIPS. Uh, because as you know, Davis, the most important aspect of a pitcher is can you miss bats? In this level of baseball, it, they're not even going after the strikeouts. It's all about the, the weak contact or keeping the ball on the ground, per se. So the ERA, even if it's at two or three, the FIP and XFIP could certainly be at four or five, depending on the level of, of ground balls and fly balls that you allow. So I think it's really important for you to keep in mind, if there's going to be a, a really chalky pitcher in this league, go ahead and stack against them. Is it going to work out every single time? No. But it only has to work out one time for you to have a really big night in, in this league. Exactly. And you're even getting a better price. Like, you're, you're actually, your implied odds are even better because it's only a 10-team league. You know, think about, think about big baseball slates. We get, I mean, yeah. like an average-sized baseball slate for, for American professional baseball is like eight games on DraftKings. You know, uh, and, and we get every game is a five-game slate for... Mm-hmm. It, at, at most it can't it can't be more than that so if you're getting if one team on a five game slate is going to be you know eight percent owned that is like actually relative to the field like eight percent owned might be like kind of high-ish for a stack in major league baseball but for kbo that might be eight percent might be the fourth fifth most owned stack and all of a sudden right. you're looking at you know your lineups aren't going to be duplicated so you're going to be generating a ton of ev that way and you're also going to have great leverage on the lineups that are using the starting pitcher going against him, for sure. 
For sure. Here's a really good example of what I was talking about. I, I had just written up uh, uh, the pitching for the, the current KBO slate, and I wrote up, uh, I hope I don't mispronounce his name, Eric Jokish, uh, who was a former major leaguer. Uh, I wrote him up as one of the best plays, and Davis, I, I kid you not, th this guy is one of the best pitchers in the KBO, and he had a 19% strikeout rate last season. Uh, his ERA looked great, but these are the type of dudes that, from any given year, they can go from having a, a three ERA and all of a sudden have an ERA in the fives. And you've seen that at the KBO level uh, with, with dudes that keep the ball on the ground but don't necessarily miss a lot of bats. The ERA is, is almost completely irrelevant. You can have a, an ERA of three this year, have an ERA of five uh, next year. So it makes it really difficult to evaluate. And if a guy like this is going to be chalky, you got to stack against him. For sure. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about some of the foreign players in the KBO because there's a, a really cool page on mykbostats.com that just you know details all of the foreign players and how they've done so far. And uh, I just I thought it was so interesting that uh, the LG Twins they they must be feeling they really must just be feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick here. They have two foreign pitchers, both born in the United States, Tyler Wilson and Casey Kelly. And they are basically the two worst pitchers in the league through the first week of the season. Uh, they have yeah. each started one game. Uh, Tyler Wilson has an ERA of 14 as he gave up seven earned runs and in four and one-third innings. Casey Kelly gave up five earned runs in two innings pitched. Uh, Tyler Wilson gave up seven hits. Casey Kelly gave up five. Just yeah. uh, they, they just they have to be like, come on, man. What's what's going on? Why why are we why are we getting stuck with uh, with the bad apples here? So a little bit of context is is needed in this one, Davis. Obviously, these dudes had Kelly's hurt, right? Yeah. So these dudes had awful opening day games. Uh, of course, they did pitch last year uh, at the KBO level and did very well. Here's the here's the the challenge for them. They were quarantined for 14 days coming into the league and had very little time to prepare. And so they they uh, they weren't fully stretched out coming into the start, which I think had a really big say uh, in their in their performances. So we'll see how the season goes for these guys moving forward. My expectation is that, that they're going to rebound, especially given the, the type of years that they had last year. But again, keep in mind, because they don't miss a lot of bats. It's, it's very much uh, in the range of outcomes that all of a sudden this year, they're just not as good as last year. And so that, that's really my expectation for them moving forward. They're, they're going to be okay, but they're unlikely to replicate their seasons from, from 2019. For sure. So got to give a shout out to Jose Miguel Fernandez. He has 13 hits hitting 591 the first mm -hmm. week of the season. Guy is uh, absolutely raking. Mel Rojas having a big start to the year as well. Preston Tucker with uh, three home runs in the first week of the season. Dixon Machado, three mm -hmm. home runs the first week of the season. I mean, we are we are really seeing that, uh, you know, I mean, Tyler Saladino and Tyler Motter, both of those guys are, are starting slow this season. But this is, again, another interesting little thing here. The only foreign player who is a hitter in the KBO without a home run it's a guy who's been priced at like 6000 on DraftKings every single day, Jamie yeah. Romach. I mean, how funny. Like, you know, like baseball, just always going to be weird. 
Yeah, this was a former MLBer uh, as well. He he had some time at the MLB level. He is projected to be one of the better power hitters in the league this year. The thing is, they last year the KBO de-juiced their baseball, so they saw a really big drop uh, in offensive output, specifically on the home runs. So it's going to have an effect uh, this season as well. But the the Romach thing is it's just a, a small sample thing where he is expected to rebound uh, and have closer to 30 home runs this season. Definitely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. Uh, got caught you all. Uh, you know, got you all caught up with Last Dance Chatter. Of course, running through some of the early numbers from the KBO. We will continue our almost daily KBO discussion because we love it. You know, we love to gamble. We love to play fantasy sports. KBO is uh, is letting us do that in this world. So, everyone, thank you very much for your time, and we will see you back here same time tomorrow. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, 
both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.